God bless everyone. Thanks for being here. Let me teach you a Christmas greeting. I'll say Christ is born and you say magnify him. And we'll do it three times because of the Trinity. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born. Amen. Well, we're going to do something special today, as if today hasn't already been kind of special. I was talking to Kyle, our tech guy, said the lights and the sound system went out. So he had a, he said he had a steel power from somewhere else. I don't even know what that means, but I know he's working on it. And the band did a great job. So big thanks to the band. And so God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. I have a pop quiz for everyone. I know what you're thinking. Like, would you have come to church today if you knew you were going to get a pop quiz and the power was going to go off? So I have here uh, a pop quiz. And and let me just say, you could work on it together, okay? You don't have to do this alone. You can turn to a buddy. You can turn to your family. You can make a big group. You could have a little team. And you can work on this quiz. It's a Christmas quiz. We don't wait. This, I think it's, I haven't done this in a very long time. Some of you might remember this quiz. I switched it up just a little bit. But here it is. I need, uh, maybe Ross, would you hand out some on this side? John, would you hand out some on this side? Hold on. Let me give you the rules. Keep them face down until I say go, Okay. All right, hand them out. Uh, One per group. So just hand them out. And um, hopefully we have enough. Uh, There's pins in your baskets down below. And uh, as you get, keep them them face down. Keep them face down. I'm watching you, little Rachel. (laughs) Uh, Because it'll be a timed thing. So we'll just do like... Uh, I think I think two minutes. It's just seven questions. Pins should be in your little baskets by your chairs. Hopefully, there's a pin or two uh, down there. And there's just seven questions, multiple choice, true, false, and then we'll go over them. It looks like just about everybody has. You got you got them. They, they need they need them. Russ, John's winning. Get them the quizzes. All right, don't start yet. Ready. Get set, go. (laughs) All right, put your name at the top of the paper. Uh, One of your names, whoever was writing, put your name and then switch with another group so that you can't change your answers. They remember doing that back in school? What? (laughs) All right. Number one, did you switch? Yeah, you got, and you could switch a couple times if you need to. That's why you put your name on the top. Um, all right. Let this a rowdy bunch today. Yeah, I guess, I guess you'll love the quiz. Good. Um, we'll go through these. Question number one, in what type of building was Jesus born? It's actually D. The Bible doesn't say. I know. I, it's, it's assumed uh, stay, a stable, it's assumed maybe cave. Some of you might have put manger, but Jesus was born and then placed into a manger. So really the best answer is D. The Bible doesn't say the building. Number two, a similar answer. What animals were President Jesus birthed? The Bible doesn't say. That's, so it's D once again. The Bible doesn't say. Number three, Uh, Maybe a trick question. The shepherds followed a star to baby Jesus. That one is false because it's the magi that followed the star. 
the shepherds followed the sign that Jesus would be placed into a manger. <laughs> Number four, uh, how many wise men were there? Once again, it's D. The Bible doesn't say. I know. I know. There's always three. I know. Don't be mad at me. The Bible doesn't say how many there were. Don't be mad at me. Uh, in history, if you look at the early church, the, uh, a lot of the old paintings were had 12 uh, wise men. So we just said, you know, there's, there's the three gifts, frankincense, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we always assume they each held one. So there was three. But the Bible doesn't say. Uh, what are we at? Number five, what is frankincense? It's A, it's a tree sap. It's not a horror movie. I thought you'd like that. Uh, it's not a precious metal. Myrrh, by the way, is also a tree sap. Both are used as incense, perfume. Number six, when the wise men brought their gifts to Jesus, they found him in a sea, a home. That's where the, yes, good job, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, they, they, uh, they found him much later. If you read Matthew 2, 16, it's quite a few years later that they find him. Uh, number seven, this is by far the hardest one. If you get this one correct, well, then it may just supersede the other ones that you got incorrect, because this one's really hard. Um, how old was Jesus when he was first presented in the temple? It's actually the answer B, 40 days old. So he was circumcised on the eighth day, like every good Jewish little boy. But then it does say that at the end of Mary's, uh, what does it say? It's at the end of Mary's purification. And it does say in Leviticus that that time is 40 days. So calculate them, hand back the papers to the people. <laughs> what a wild group today. Okay, how many of you got uh, five or more correct? Five or more, that's half or more, five or more correct. How many of you got six or more? You only missed one, anybody only missed one? Okay, how many, did anybody get all seven correct? <gasps> no one got all seven. I was thinking this would happen. And so I prepared in my head what I would say. And here's what I want to say. I want to rebuke you. <laughs> now, it is a hard Christmas quiz, and some of the questions were trick questions. But isn't there something about the real Christmas story and it being diluted this time of year with lots of fun stuff. I'm, I'm no Scrooge. I don't say bah humbug. I, I got a Christmas tree and Christmas lights and Christmas decorations and there's Santa things and there's Elf on the Shelf and there's Rudolph and there's the reindeer. But all this fun stuff around Christmas time, maybe it dilutes the real story. So today we're going to look at the real story. Would you turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 2? We're going to read through when the shepherds uh, get the message that a Savior, Christ the Lord, has been born on this earth. We're going to read this passage in Luke 2, and then we are going to talk today about the shepherds. So would you stand with me when you find the passage? Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. I'm going to read the King James Version version because uh, that's the version that I'm familiar with. Maybe you are as well. The way it's written, um, it says this, Luke 2 verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds 
abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them. And he appeared to them and he said, glory to God in the highest. Right? Is that where I'm at? I missed uh, glory. Uh, fear not. Sorry, fear not. I was trying, I had this memorized at one point and I was, I was going off of that. The angel said unto them, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we got a pastor coughing, we got the sound going off. <coughs> Fear not, thank you. Fear not, for, be, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And then listen to this, for unto you is born this day a savior, which is Christ the Lord, three descriptions, Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Verse 15, when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. Everybody say, spread the word. They spread the word concerning all that had been done and told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. God, we pray to you. And Lord, we, we pause in, in the busyness of Christmas, in the dilution of, of fun things that are fun. Lord, we pause right now and we thank you that your word, the Bible, bears witness to the hope and the truth that we have. And Lord, may we be like the shepherds, surprised by your hope, surprised by your glory, and may we go out and share this good news, the hope that is in us by what you've done, Jesus. So we praise you, we worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this sermon is Three Things, Three Things I Learned from the Shepherds. So let me talk to you about shepherds really quickly. I'm no uh, expert on shepherds. I didn't grow up on a farm. Anybody grew up on a farm? Oh, a couple of hands. Good. Great. Uh, I grew up, my dad was in the Air Force, so I grew up on military Air Force bases. That's what I know about. Uh, my, my dad and mom might be watching right now from home. My mom, a lot of you have been praying for my mom. She's doing a lot better. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Um, <laughs> But I remember my first time going to a farm. I was a Boy Scout. We, we took a field trip to a farm and the farmer's there talking about the cows and I'm standing right behind a cow and the, tow, the cow <laughs> lifts its tail and I'm just like standing there looking at the cow. I had no idea. And the farmer's like, hey! And he runs over to me, bear hugs me, moves me out of the way and then the disaster ensues and I escaped the disaster. But I had no idea. Like that's how much I know about farming. I don't know what is going to happen when a cow's tail is raised. And if you know and someone next to you doesn't know, don't tell them. It'll be a lesson that they get to learn someday. 
So this is me trying to talk about shepherds and shepherding. I have researched uh, shepherding in the ancient world. Uh, I do know that these, these idea, the idealistic, the fairy tale idea of shepherds, like that's in Precious Moments, dolls, the little figurines of porcelain. This is an idealized kind of thing. Shepherding, especially in the ancient world, was a ragtag bunch. Shepherds were the outcasts. If you had no job and couldn't get a job, maybe you could get a job as a shepherd. It was a job no one wanted. It was a group of people, a class of people considered less than. They were often foreigners. They were often the marginalized in the society. They were kind of the nobodies from nowhere. They were the ragtag group that no one wanted to be around. They were the outcasts of the society society in the ancient world. And isn't it interesting, isn't it beautiful that God chooses when he himself comes to earth as one of us, as one of us, a human being, fully God, fully human. This is what we believe Jesus is. This is what Christmas is all about. When he comes, the first people that get to hear about what is happening, that the Savior Christ, the Lord, has been born, is this ragtag group, this outcast group of shepherds. I've only gotten to meet one shepherd. I think I told the story years ago, um, but I, I was in Tibet, which is far off. It's in northern China. It's where the Himalayan mountains are. I've had a wonderful opportunity in my life to travel, to go on missions. I'm a big fan of missions. Ross and Sarah, uh, they, they go on missions. Many of you go on missions. New Life is a missional church. Uh, we got to go on a, a mission trip last year to Alaska. It's looking like I'm, I might be putting the cart before the horse and just talking about this. But tomorrow I have a Skype call with a missionary in the Congo. And the Congo is today the least developed nation out of all the nations by life expectancy, by standard of living, by education, by uh, maternal and infant mortality rates. It's the least developed nation in the world. And I have a call tomorrow with a guy and I've been asked to maybe lead a new life trip of all the congregations to the Congo uh, later this spring. And so if that happens, you all will be the first to know about it and you all will get the first invitations and we'll open the trip up to the other congregations as well. But that's a side note. Let me get back to my story, meeting a shepherd. I've only met one shepherd in my life and it was in Tibet. I was with two other friends. We were traveling around Tibet. Uh, they were kind of on a scouting mission trip. Both of them would end up going to this part of the world in the Himalayas and becoming full-time long-term missionaries there. One would end up giving his life. My friend Ben Couch uh, passed away in a motorcycle accident in Nepal, uh, going to a village to tell people about Jesus. And so here I was in Tibet on a long, uh, we were going from Kathmandu to Lhasa, the capital of Tibet. We were on like this four-wheel drive bus thing on dirt roads, very bumpy, washed out in, in different places. We had to cross the river on this rickety old bus with four-wheel drive. And so here we are uh, in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of like Colorado, arid, the mountains standing up, although in the Himalayas, they're like twice the size of Colorado. Beautiful, big sky. You can see forever. We're on a dirt road. I look over and there's this trail and these shepherds and sheep everywhere. And the bus stops 
It's like Grand Central Tibet. People get off, people get on. I'm like looking around. There's no buildings, there's no houses, there's nothing. There's just some sheep, some shepherds. Some get off, some get on. Like where are these guys coming from? They have no bags. They're in the middle of nowhere. They just get on the bus. And it's, one of them gets to sit next to me. And I'm glad he does because he smells great. <laughs> He's wearing clothes that have probably never been washed. Maybe he made them himself out of sheep skin. He's missing teeth. He's looking and just like a ragtag shepherd would, it looks like someone had been living out uh, their whole life. Like they're kind of uh, homeless. They're kind of just doing the shepherding thing. And he sits next to me and I say, hello. And he just looks at me. He'd never heard that word before. And I do, I do know one word in Tibetan, which is Tashidelik, which means hello. I said, Tashidelik. He looks at me and says, Tashidelik. He smiles really big. And we just sit there. We have a 10-hour four-wheel drive bus. And we're just looking at each other. Tashidelik, Tashidelik, Tashidelik. <laughs> and I, uh, I was like, oh, at some point in the bus ride, I had some candy in my pocket. I pull out my candy. Uh, that's like hard candy and a wrapper. I give it to him. And he puts, I, I like make the motion for its food and he puts the whole thing wrapper and all I kid you not in his mouth like here's the guy this he's never seen candy before he's never taken a bath he's just a rough dude from Tibet a shepherd and then uh, later on the bus ride he returns the favor like I gave him some of my food he gives me some of you have heard this story before he reaches into his pocket of these pants that have never been washed I'm sure and he pulls out this string and on the string are these hardened cheese balls. Look up sometime Tibetan hardened cheese. I don't know how they make it, but they put it on, on the string. And so out of this pocket comes this cheese on a string. And he tries to pull one of them off and it doesn't come. So he puts the cheese ball all in his mouth and with his teeth he pulls it out and then spits the cheese ball in his hand and hands it to me. Now, if you're on a mission trip and the only word you know is Tashidelic and it, is there a right way to decline? Probably not. So with the Lord's help, I took the man's cheese ball that had been unwrapped in his pocket, in his mouth. I took it and with the Lord's help, I put it in my mouth, chewed it and I swallowed <laughs> that's my experience of a shepherd. Okay, so any idea, I tell you that story to tell you that shepherds in the ancient world, these were ragtag people. These were people that were unkempt. And my point number one, I have three points of things I've learned from this shepherding story. The first point is this, the shepherds show us that God has come to the hopeless to give hope. The shepherds show us that God has come to the hopeless to give hope. Now we can all maybe look down upon shepherds and, and unkempt people in the Tibet story. That's just a funny story. And me and my buddies, we had a great laugh about it the, for the rest of the trip because they weren't offered the cheese balls. I was the only one offered the cheese ball. And so I got to tell, he said, well, I'm the only one here that knows what the Tibetan cheese tastes like. Uh, and so anyways, we can look at like in our world, like we can look down on people, but isn't it interesting? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? 
that it is God who chooses the hopeless to be the ones who give the hope of the world. They are the ones, they are the first ones that get to hear from the angel that the Savior, Christ, the Lord, has been born. And ladies and gentlemen, um, there's, there's an interesting saying, I've heard it before, it's not my own saying, that a good sermon, the word of God, God's work inside of us, tries to do this. It tries to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. A good sermon, what I'm saying, hopefully, will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. We are probably, um, I imagine, at different points in our lives, uncomfortable. And the word of the Lord, the hope of Christmas, the good news is that the hope of Jesus comes to comfort those who need it. And if we're honest, I think we would all say, we can't save someone else. We can't even save ourselves. This is the work of the Lord. We need to humble ourselves and see ourselves through the eyes of how the Lord sees us, which are people that he loves, people he wants to bring his hope and his healing, his grace and his mercy to. Let's continue reading the story. Uh, Luke chapter two, verse eight. It's just kind of retelling this scene. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, The glory shone round about them. Can you imagine the scene? Being out in the middle of nowhere. Being out, uh, there's sheep, there's darkness, there's maybe a candle, maybe not. I mean, they, they lived in such poverty that a candle would be a luxury item. So complete darkness and then a bright light. An angel shone all around them and it said they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The shepherd story, this is point number two. If you're taking notes, put down two. The the shepherd story compels us to not be afraid. We live in a culture today where anxiety is running amok, where our society is in fear, where the world is in fear, where every time we look at the news, there's something else to be worried about. Last week, uh, Brett Davis, he's an associate pastor with us, New Life Manitou, and full-time with New Life Friday Night. He was vulnerable with us. If you were here last week, he shared, I'm one of the people that's known for being anxious. He shared with us his struggles of anxiety. But isn't that all of us? I think he's just maybe a little more honest than some of us, that we all struggle with anxiety. Maybe it's different ways. Maybe it's in different places. Maybe it's with different things. But all of us are uh, worry. All of us are prone to anxiety. Jesus says this about worrying. He asked the question. He asked, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? No one. Worrying doesn't do anything for you. Fear doesn't do anything for you. The Lord shows up again and again and again throughout the Bible, throughout the Christmas nativity story. The Lord shows up and the first thing he or an angel speaking on the Lord's behalf says is, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid is what the shepherds get to hear from this angel. And I want you to think about your own name in this story. Like, don't be afraid and insert your name. Don't be afraid, Mark. Don't be afraid, Donna. Don't be afraid, John. Don't be afraid, Erica. Don't be afraid, Jerry. Like, enter your name into this story. The Lord is telling you not to be afraid. Well, why? Because he's got things under control. 
The Lord has all things under his control. He is in charge and he tells us to not be afraid. And we see it in this story. Put your name in this story. The Lord is telling you this morning, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. The Lord is in control. Let's trust him. The third thing we can learn from this shepherd's story or from these shepherds is the shepherds teach us to go. This is point number three. The shepherds teach us to go. It says this. Uh, so the story happens where the angel comes and tells the shepherds not to be afraid. And then along with that angel, a whole host of angels. You know what the word host means? It means an army of angels appears and then they say glory to God in the highest and earth peace and then it says this verse 15 when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go turn to your neighbor and say let's go let's go to Bethlehem and see what has happened like the angels say go go find this child and, and go see the good news, which has happened, what the Lord told us about. Verse 16, they hurried off, and they go. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Think about this. Think about the role of the shepherd in the ancient world nobody's from nowhere. That's what society thought of them. But God thought differently of these people. And God made them, think about it, they're the first evangelists, are they not? Like Jesus, God himself comes to this earth and they go. And all they're given is like a little clue. The Savior, born this day, Savior Christ the Lord has been born this day. That's one clue, a baby born this day. The second clue is you're gonna find him in a, Manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's like all babies in the ancient world. It's kind of the old world way of doing a diaper. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. Like that's a bizarre thing, a bizarre place for a baby to be. But that's going to be the sign for the shepherds. So they go out not knowing the whole story. They're confused. Like what's going to happen? We're supposed to find a baby in a, in a feeding trough. This doesn't make any sense. And yet they go. They could have hung back and said, we don't understand. We, they could have hung back and said, maybe someone else should go. Like, we're not educated. We don't know. We're not theologically uh, sound. We, we don't know the stories written in the word. Like, they could have, for various reasons, not gone. But they go with the confidence of the Lord. If the shepherds can go, well, then we can go. If the shepherds can go, we can go. The shepherds teach us to go with the confidence of the Lord, that there is hopelessness in our world and we get to bring the hope of God. We are the carriers. We can be the evangelists. We can be the ones sharing the hope of God with other people. If shepherds can do it, well, then we can do it. If the shepherds go, well, then we can go. You know, Christmas is in just a couple days. We'll have a service here, two services actually. On Friday, it's Christmas Eve. We'll have a 4 p.m. service with our kids ministry. Uh, you could check them in downstairs. We'll have a 6 p.m. service, a family service, all of us together. And we'll have plenty of room. 
because we're having two services. And so I've been inviting people. I've been going and telling people. You know what the worst thing that's happened? So sometimes we think like, oh, if I, if I invite somebody, you know, maybe we think of the worst. Here's the worst that's happened. I've invited quite a few people to New Life Manitou Christmas Eve services. The worst thing. So a lot of people just thank me and say, oh, I'll think about it. Uh, the worst is someone said, man, I'm just not a fan of organized religion. That's it. That's the worst thing that has happened to me as I have gone and I have made invitations to people to tell them about the hope in a hopeless, dark world that we live in where there is fear and anxiety abounding. We have the good news. It's been given to us that a Savior, Christ the Lord, has been born. And why the whole world is in busyness and hubbub and reindeer and Santa, like we have something inside of us, the true hope of God that he has been born on this earth and he has come to give us life. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray with me?